Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. This is a special podcast that takes place in the month of November during our 30-day prayer for Tibet. Now, the reason that I'm asking for people around the world to pray for Tibet, join together with us that are here in China, is because Tibet is one of the hardest regions that we work in. Now, I know that when many people think of Tibet, they think of the countless magazine covers that feature pictures of the most majestic snow-capped mountains. And we have these images that fill our mind uh, with these, these monks that are somehow deeply spiritually enlightened, and they give us a sense of tranquility and peace. The stories of the Tibetan people that accompany the pictures are intoxicating. And in an instant, through those pictures, you can be transported through time and space and visualize yourself walking across the globe to be with these, quote-unquote, peaceful people and learn from their wise gurus about teachings of life and peace and how to have a certain level of satisfaction in your life, how to find balance. You know, we often equate it with the idea of yoga and meditation. Peace, love, nature, right? That's what you find in Tibet, except you don't. I wrote in the 30-Day Prayer Guide, if you have not joined us yet, I highly encourage you to please download it. Go through it, because it's more than just a prayer guide. It actually teaches you about the hardships of being born in Tibetan society. And those that are born in Tibetan society are born into it as no fault of their own. They didn't get to choose where they would be born, who their mother or father would be. I guarantee you if they did have a choice, they would not have chosen Tibet as the location where they would be given birth. Not today anyway. Yes, it's a beautiful place. Yes, the mountains stretch up to the sky. They're majestic to lay your eyes upon. They can take your breath away because that's the beauty that God made. But man, in his evilness, has brought about a spiritual darkness of Tibet that cannot be shaken. The Tibetan people, as I share with people during this 30-day prayer guide, die a thousand times a day from the pain of spiritual slavery. They're born into this inescapable poverty and the spiritual leaders that they look to for help look back at them for help their spiritual leaders can't help them they can they can't even take care of themselves how are they going to save others they look to people for support not the other way around tibetan monks are not spiritual pathfinders they're little more than pious beggars who demand wool 
from emaciated sheep. Monks don't do society any favors. They don't give spiritual enlightenment that allows people to reach scientific discoveries or medical breakthroughs or any sort of mathematic, complicated problem-solving. You don't see Audi, Mercedes, Ford being made in Tibet. You, you don't see Apple having IT breakthroughs. You don't see the medicines coming out of Tibet that people are craving, unless it's naturally grown, things that just happen to be here because of geographic location. But the people themselves are suffering in ignorance. They die a thousand times a day. Do you think it's because they're dumber than those that live in Germany that have these amazing breakthroughs? Do you think it's because they are intellectually inferior to those that live in Israel that has the most educated population in the world per capita? No. They're not having breakthroughs, not because they're intellectually inferior, but because they are spiritually enslaved. Slaves that have been chained by their master find it much more difficult to have the leisure of breakthroughs, the leisure of contemplating difficult theory and ideas when they are starving and just trying to survive. In the 1950s, Tibet was freed from serfdom by communist China. Think about that for a minute. Communist China, communism freed the Tibetans from slavery. And I'm not talking about spiritual slavery here. I'm talking about real slavery where people are serving other men here on earth. A serfdom that is very common in India among the different caste systems is very prevalent right here in the Tibetan area where I'm at right now. The streets of Lhasa are patrolled by an atheistic militia that keeps the Tibetan Buddhists from enslaving one another. But over a half a century later, Tibet is still home to one of the poorest groups on the planet. The majority of the people make less than a dollar a day. That's far below the UN poverty rate of $2 a day. So during this 30 days of prayer, we go through 10 days where we specifically look at the culture and religion and darkness of Tibet. Today, I want to share one of those days together with you. I want to look at one of those days in the first portion, a part that you may not really be that familiar with. I want to start with day six not day one. Because when people think of Buddhism, they often think of enlightenment, tranquility, meditation, equality. Do you think equality came as a natural human endeavor? Do you think that Buddhism, Hinduism contributes to equality? Now, if you listen to some cross-legged hippie professor and an a 
crazy liberal university, you might get the idea that these enlightened groups of Asian religions can somehow contribute to a open society and democracy. But the free societies that we have today were not built on the backs of Tibetan Buddhism. It was built on the back of Christian Judaic values. End of discussion. And what I'm saying is not done in a biased way because I am a believer in Christ. Though my views have been opened up and can be said to be biased, in this instance, I think that science is on our side. We can go through and measure numerically the value that has been given to societies from Tibetan Buddhism, for instance, versus Christian Judaic values. Now, what I'm saying is not popular. What I'm saying sounds like and can be categorized as hate speech. But I think it's time that we stop tiptoeing around these issues and stop pretending that all religions are equal because they're not. That all ways of practicing life within a society is equal because they are not. Day six on our 30 day of prayer for Tibet, I try to point out one of the most shocking things that I think Westerners do not know. Most Westerners do not know unless they start to study Tibetan Buddhism. Now, in the Western society that has been greatly influenced and shaped by Christian Judaic values, there are certain things that we have that we believe are human nature. For instance, equality of people, equal voice, freedom of speech, freedom to choose your religion. Freedom to marry who you wish. These ideas that we now attach to freedom, we think that they're universal and they're not. They, even though they may be espoused by those people who are not believers, they come from the foundation of laws and societies that are built on Christian Judaic values. And those societies that are not built on these Christian Judaic values do not share the same idea of equality as we do, but they would like to trick you. You see, today, Tibetan Buddhism has a very good spokesman, probably one of the best spokesmen in the world. His name is Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama knows how to communicate to men and women who are born and raised in a Christian Judaic society. So he speaks our language. He speaks about love respect, value, equality. These are terms that mean a great deal to those who believe that Christ died for us all. These are ideas that shape the very fundamental belief of Jesus giving his life regardless of the geographical location in which you were born or the color of the skin in which you were born with. On day six, it, I entitle it, It Stinks to Be a Woman, because women are not equal in Tibetan Buddhism. Does that strike you as surprising? You know who it doesn't surprise? 
Tibetan Buddhists, they're not surprised that women are not equal. Of course they're not equal. Well, where would we get that idea? In the West, where that is a valued characteristic of a Christian Judaic society, where the very first missionaries of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was through women. The testimony of women was equal to that of a man in the world that Jesus created. The fact that Jesus worked together and empowered women to go and share the gospel. The very first century church were basically hosted by women who became the first kind of orchestrators because it was a home church. The church was being persecuted. They had to meet within the homes. And these women were connecting with one another and creating networks. And then they would arrange for the entire Christian ceremony and experience in their homes in which they were the leader. So in order to communicate and bring Christians or people, not even Christians, but even non-Christians living and growing in a Christian Judaic society, in order to capture them and bring them over to the dog vomit of a lie that is Tibetan Buddhism, they have to use words, images, phrases, characteristics that would identify with Christians. So this is day six. This is how we start. It stinks to be a woman. The assumption about Buddhism is that it is a rational, modern, and liberal in the matter of gender and sexuality. But the dirty little secret that no one likes to discuss about Buddhism is that it is deeply sexist. And women are actually considered to be a hellish temptation to the soul. Is Christianity patriarchal? No doubt about it. But the idea of equality among the sexes is a concept incubated in Christian Western society. It is not in Hinduism, Islam, and definitely not Buddhism. Many people mistake Buddhist practices in the West with actual Buddhism. Buddhism in the West is flavored with Western values of equality among the sexes. And Western values of equality are more based on Judeo-Christian theology. Many people are horrified absolutely horrified when they learn how sexist real Tibetan Buddhism actually is. Buddha was reluctant to expose women to the path of enlightenment because they posed a hindrance to men. He imposed more rules on them. There's 331 rules for women compared to 227 rules for men and made them completely subordinate to men. Neither Tibetan Buddhism nor their training centers like the Lurongar Buddhist Institution in Sichuan Province, which is the largest Tibetan Buddhist academy in the world, allow women to achieve the ranking of Bakuni, which is held by thousands of Tibetan monks. This is a rank within Tibetan Buddhism. The top Tibetan clergy members claim that equality among the sexes is a quote-unquote Western concept, not a Buddhist one. This is what they say. And they refuse to modernize. Of course, this obvious observation in Buddhism is fiercely fought by scholars, quote-unquote, in the West, who are quick to point out that the teachings of Buddha are not like the teachings in Christianity where Christians adhere to the word of God as if it was infallible. They like to claim that the teachings of Buddha and enlightenment are asexual 
and that Buddhism was the first real equal religion for the sexes. Yeah, sure you were. However, none of Buddhist ancient societies show any evidence of the establishment of meaningful roles for female leadership. Instead, females are only obstacles to a life of celibacy. In one conversation, the Buddha states, of all the sins that enslave, none is more lethal than that of a woman. Of all the tastes that enslave, none is more lethal than that of a woman. Of all the voices that enslave, none is more lethal than that of a woman. Of all the caresses that can enslave, none is more lethal than that of a woman. The text repeatedly describes celibate monks as embodiments of Dhamma the path of enlightenment, while the lustful, insatiable women are described as the embodiment of samsara, which is the cycle of death and rebirth. Equality among the sexes does not exist in Buddhism except for in the minds of blind professors who are dishonest apologists and historical revisionists. Men who stay away from women can achieve the highest levels of leadership, while those who succumb to the power of womanly ways might actually be reincarnated as the lower form of a woman. At the end of every part of this prayer guide, we like to end with prayer points. And this section has three prayer points that... When you remember Tibetan Buddhism, please pray for them. The first thing to remember when you pray for them is Buddhism sees all women as a threat to men achieving nirvana. Tibetans earn merits in Buddhism by staying away from women. Pray that Tibetan women discover that they are all fearfully and wonderfully created with beauty that brings light, not darkness, to the world. The scripture reading that I would encourage you to do today is from Proverbs 31. That famous proverb that is about the woman that all of us should be looking for. Proverbs 31, 30-31 says this, Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Thank you so much for joining us on this 30 Days of Prayer. Thank you so much for joining us for this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you.